you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, is there a better sad montage song than Johnny Cash's Hurt? Uh, I don't think so. <sighs> I'm trying to think. There, No, Sarah McLaughlin's uh, Prayer of St. Francis. Is that the one they play on the pet ads? No, no. Oh no, that's the 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 what is it? Tears of an Angel or whatever the one that they yeah. used to play in the nineties over the yeah. Uh, no, this is this is the one that that, that was uh, I believe a sad montage in Buffy. Ah. It's been too long since I've watched Buffy, but it's probably a good thing. Over the pandemic, I've I've experienced like two or three people's rewatches of Buffy, and I'm like, I think I'm good letting this one stick with nostalgia. And yeah. like I, I think I, I think if I did like if I rewatched it, I'd have to do like a really curated list and stop at season yeah. five. The problem with the rewatch of Buffy is uh, it's incurably tainted by the modern perception of its creator. I mean, I can like I can do that with I like I can take that. There's a certain point when you recognize all of like all of the like dialogue habits that plagued that entire writing room that like either either your brain rot is so is so complete that you're like i'm fine with this or you just like oh my god i can't listen to this anymore (laughs) yeah it's like it's like brian michael bendis there's there's also a lot of stuff that like legitimately has not aged well like even beyond just like it being tainted by the creator every plot line was xander uh yeah i mean this is why it's like i'd want to do a curated list like yeah yeah and and it's i i'm happy to have that live in nostalgia um as well uh what episodes this oh yeah it's time for sadness yeah uh speaking of sad things we're we're talking about the end of uh the mid-season the mid series triptych tonight we're talking about the crossing and the devil's share yeah yep this is episode nine and ten of season three i don't know who got what this time i've got the crossing take us away all right so this one's written by denise tay and directed by frederick e otoye so our number at this time is john we're picking up from the end of the last episode as john and carter have quinn in custody and need him to bring him to the federal building to hand him over to the FBI. Uh, Simmons does not just sick HR on them, but every criminal organization in the city that they have ties to. Although Elias chooses to sit this one out. Thank you, Elias. Hmm. Real G. With, 
with their phones destroyed, uh, John and Carter are out of touch with Harold, and uh, and he sends Shaw and Fosco out to find and help them. Root also offers to help, but Harold refuses to free her. God damn it, Harold. Carter and John manage to make it past the HR roadblocks using a stolen ambulance and uh, with the help of Fusco, but he's captured by HR and brought to the fortune cookie factory for interrogation. Shaw heads out on his trail to protect both Fusco and the evidence against HR that he currently has the key for. Meanwhile, John and Carter end up trapped in the city morgue, where they take stock of their situation, compare scars, and kiss after John reveals that meeting Carter back in the pilot changed his mind about committing suicide. After quite a bit of torture, Fusco finally breaks when Simmons threatens his son, except no, wait, uh, he lies about which bank the safety deposit key is for, prompting Simmons to order his goons to kill both him and his son anyway. Thankfully, Shaw realized that Fusco's son was in danger and was just in time to save him, uh, but apologizes that that means that she can't be there to save Fusco. Luckily, knowing that his son is safe allows Fusco to save himself. With his fingers broken, he escapes his handcuffs and kills the HR cop guarding him. Meanwhile, back at the morgue, John gives Carter the slip and leaves to draw away HR so that Carter can escape with Quinn. Harold arrives as well and uses the loudspeaker to tell Carter that her path is clear. John runs out of bullets during the shootout, but Harold manages to get him to safety by arranging for him to be arrested by non-HR cops. In the epilogue, John is released from jail and Carter is reinstated as a detective uh, since all of HR is in custody except for Simmons. Unfortunately, uh, as Carter and John leave the precinct, Simmons appears and shoots both of them before fleeing. Carter dies in John's arms while Harold, presumably appearing to pick up John from jail, watches on in abject shock and horror. And a payphone rings as we fade to black. I'm the thing I, I love the setup of this episode of how how they sort of do like it's the like the slow crawl towards the FBI building. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really cool like. I I I love that kind of setup. It, I there's a movie like this. I can't remember what it is, but I've seen it before. Uh, I want to let's let's talk about the big problem with this episode. Uh, and that's Carter's death and departure. Yeah, because um, I know you and uh, had real beef with this death uh, on first yeah. watch. And this is this is something that like I'm trying. I'm still trying to sort out within my own brain a little bit. Um, so I'm not entirely sure at this point how I feel about the ending of the episode. So in general, like, as both of you and probably all of our listeners at this point know, in general, I hate character deaths with a burning passion. Um, like, I realize that that's a me thing. Um, yeah. And like, Honestly, if I weren't watching this show for the podcast, there's probably about a 50-50 chance that I would rage quit right here. I'm glad that I didn't, but yeah. like that's that's where my head was right at the end here. Yeah. So let's give it a little context. This death was done uh at the actress's request. Yeah, I was going to I was going to get to yeah, that actually. I, yeah, so what I I it wasn't specifically that they killed her off at the request but like she like uh, Taraji Henson was basically at a point where she was like I am not being creatively fulfilled by doing a procedural yeah right it, now. Se- it seems like 
it seemed like she was suffering from pretty intense burnout and like needed to explore new options, which like is, is valid and honestly makes me that in and of itself makes me feel much better about it. Yeah. And, and Jonathan Nolan, Jonathan Nolan said like, uh, he, he said in a later interview, he's like, I'm like, if, even if we were like the hottest show on television, and it had been locked in forever. I wasn't going to hold any of our actors to a 200 episode thing or whatever. Like, yeah. he's just like, I wasn't going to do that to any of them. Um, especially because like Taraji Hudson is, I'm gonna, like, she is, a she's big, incredible. She is a bigger star than the show. Um, yeah. Like the, the, like the first two movies she did after leaving the show was a thriller with Ed, Idris Elba. And then she did hidden figures. And then yeah. she went, and then she, and then she did empire. Yeah, She did empire, which is like, you know, like she is. Yeah. I, yeah. She's one of the best actors in tell in, in on screen period. And yeah. like the, the two and a half seasons we got of her are, are great. Um, Carter is like a fantastic character who yeah. provides a lot of contrast. And, and they I'm, don't, I'm very glad that like her departure from the show was on good terms and like was apparently like something and it was something they planned for. Yeah. There is an episode that she will return for in a flashback. Okay. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's nice to know that the relationship was there and she was like, she came yeah. back for an, a flashback episode. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that they didn't kill her off for like the drama, which like is often it's, yeah. that's why a lot of character deaths happen on screen. Um, that and one of the reasons why I hate them. Um, and I'm also glad that it wasn't like some sort of like that it was a positive behind the scenes thing um, of like her moving on to bigger and better things versus like Jim Caviezel sexually harassing her or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which was like what I was fearing, right? Like that's exactly what I was like afraid of as a behind the scenes. I go- like I Googled it a couple days beforehand and I'm like, I'm prepared for anything. Like I don't know. And it's like, Oh no. Okay. It was just, she went, she, she was like, I'm getting calls from producers every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I, they want me to do movies that I'm like, I want to. Um, yeah. Which I'm like, you know, this is, I, I'm, I'm very glad that it was that it wasn't like a contract thing or anything. So that's, that's, it's always like whenever a character like gets ripped off at a show there, I, there, there's certain folks who like, you know, cheat Roddenberry. Um, <laughs> who uh, you know did it out of spite yeah um and i'm glad i'm glad it wasn't anything like that and or or like just you know let's kill her off as a shock to the audience and to show that we are you know a big show with real stakes i mean yeah. so the funny thing is all of the, the like i looked this up and like i, I was like because you know like went on youtube and stuff all of like the promotion materials for this episode and the episode itself really sets it up to think that Lionel's the one who's going to die. Oh, that's I, funny. I, th- I thought throughout the episode, up until we hit the last scene, I thought that Lionel was going to be the one to die. Basically, they filmed an alternate ending where Fusco dies. Wow, oh, that's hilarious! They they shot it and and Nolan referred to it as our big lie. That's funny, which is <laughs> so funny. Of just like yeah, because they are really setting you up for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's like it's the first time we see his kid since season one. Yeah, yeah. 
And the moment where he's like so relieved when when Shaw's on the phone there. Oh, yeah. This is Yeah. Um, I mean we'll we'll talk to the fact. We'll, I, yeah, we'll I have a there. few more things to say here though, like before we move on from mm-hmm. the Carter's death thing, which is one of the things that I that I dislike about it just on principle is that it really sucks to lose a hyper competent black woman character. Mm-hmm. Um uh, that I feel like I feel like that was a really big like benefit to the show and having that gone is gonna suck somewhat and god damn it that fucking kiss Jesus Christ apparently it was improvised yeah. Jesus Christ yeah oh, it's- God it gives it the it just taints the entire thing with fridging the entire thing I don't like it I I would not say that it is fridging but it just gives it like it. It, it's like it's like when you take something out of the fridge and it just like smells like fridge. <laughs> that might be the funniest thing. It's not. I mean, it's terrible, but it's on. That is still there. It's on point. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I really. You, you two know what I mean, I though, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's coming on the Twitter. The thing I like about this, the way this episode ha- handles it, that I think the kiss really blows is they set up this relationship between these two characters really nicely as this Mm -hmm. one of mutual understanding and respect. And then they add this weird kiss and there's zero chemistry between these two characters. It's always been about respect. And there's this, this weird kiss and God, I just hate it. It just doesn't work. Thankfully it's like never referenced again. There's no like hint that there was anything romantic between them ever discussed again. And they do make good work with, how do I want to phrase this? Carter's death is never treated cheaply in the series. Yeah. And, and like, this is where I'm glad that I went on to the next episode, which we'll talk about. And like, that I think it seems like they're handling it pretty well, but it's still like, I walked away from this episode being mad as hell. Yeah. I, I yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> as one of the, Two principal recipients of your anger. I think you're supposed uh, to I, be I mad because that's I'm. Yeah, I feel like so, I, I feel like I'm not mad at who they would like me to be mad at, though. Yeah, yeah, you were <laughs> mad that she died. You were mad at the creators. Yeah, and and I'm still trying to like sort through how much of that is like rational and how much of it is like a me thing. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe we can circle back to this at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. like one of the things that like, I won't get into this with the next, like a- after these next two, but like, this isn't a thing that is just like John's cross to bear. This is, this affects everybody in the show. And mm-hmm. I, I think that like it does change the tone of the series in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. I think probably not, Next episode, but maybe in the ones after that, Carter, even though we still have Fusco in the series and other things, Carter is very much, I feel like, the link to what makes this show a procedural in a lot of ways. And it's not. Like, don't get me wrong. It remains a procedural in a lot of ways. But with Carter gone, there's a space that opens up in the show for for it to change. Like, that cop procedural element push like opens up a little bit and more sci-fi AI weirdness steps into that gap. And I think that this, I'm sure they would have, well, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I bet they would have managed it 
even if she hadn't left. But it very much feels like without her there and without having this amazing actress to write plot lines for, like with the end of the HR storyline, what steps into that gap is more about the machine. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I left out of my summary there is that at the very end of the episode, before, you know, before, before the epilogue where with the shooting, Carter figures out the machine. Yeah. Yeah. And gets a yellow box. And for, I had about 45 seconds to be extremely excited about that and what that would mean (laughs) for the future of the show. And then it betrayed me. (laughs) Because I was extremely excited for approximately 45 seconds. And then, and then, yeah. Due respect to how that's, that's, that, that they play that out. They fucking, they really make you think that they're going to let, that that episode is going to, is going to end clean. Oh, I, as, as soon as, Knowing that they didn't have Simmons, like as soon as as soon as I knew that Simmons wasn't caught, mm-hmm. I knew that somebody was going to die. Yeah, and then he comes, he looms up out of the shadows, and it's it just. Yeah. I remember watching that for the first time, and just being like, "Oh fuck me sideways!" And then Carter's dead, and it's just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah. It, it happens very fast. Like you think you've gotten through it. And I was right about one of my predictions. I predicted that Carter, Carter or Fosco was going to figure out the existence of the machine. And here we go. But I had mm-hmm. 45, about 45 seconds to be excited about it. Yeah. Rip. I did enjoy all the like full circle things though, coming back to the pilot that, yeah. you know, those were all. Those were all like, nice. Like there, there's a scene where they get into subway fight. They call it back. They they yeah. John and John and Carter like do their do their little intro. Like they replay their intro, and the corner that Carter dies is where Reese got picked up by Finch. Finch the pilot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I also like that. It's not just it's not just thing these things coming full circle and like it being coincidence that is not remarked upon by the characters like the characters in you know within the narrative remark on how similar it is mm-hmm. to what happened to the pilot. Yeah, they're like intentionally calling it. back those conversations and stuff. Yeah. Which when you when you know what's coming and you see it and you you like these callbacks feel very ominous and very the there's an interesting bit at the end of the episode. After Carter gets shot, they flash to a, a machine vision in the camera, but nobody has any boxes in it. Interesting. Interesting. Which I like. I I I I was texting like texting somebody about that. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And it's like, what if the machine is shocked? Yeah. Um. And it's like and. At the same time, we've got the payphone just ringing. Yeah. To you know that presumably, presumably the machine was trying to tell them, and just couldn't in time. Yeah. 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 The other thing about this episode, sorry, we, uh, if I can move on to another part of yeah. this episode that I yeah. really loved. Yeah. Shaw and Fusco have not had the the closest relationship in the season. To this point. And the, oh, but they're so and great the first together. scene they have together is like hilariously antagonistic in this episode. Yeah. It's very, it's ridiculous. But then 
the scene where Shaw goes after him and she's like, you think that she she's in the subway and you think she's going to chase him down. And then Fuss goes on the phone with the crook who's about to kill his kid. And you hear the gunshot. He's sobbing. God, I mean, fuck, man. The guy who plays, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the guy who plays Fusco sells that scene solid. It's yeah. heartbreaking to watch. He's, he thinks he's hearing his son die. And then you hear Shaw's voice. And, you know, she says to him, like, I had to make the call. But, you know, like, you understand that means I won't be there to save you. And she's, there is a tone in her voice of genuine regret and sincerity that is very unusual for Shaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his response of you you did good is so heartbreaking because he's Yeah. That's a hard one as a parent to watch in general. But that moment where he's like you did good, you absolutely. He just, he wants her to know that like you absolutely chose right. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't he wants there to be no doubt in her, in her mind that he that that is what he wanted. It is especially in a certain in a scene in the next episode to contrast it mm-hmm. uh, involving Shaw. It's a re- like, it's a really good, like where yeah. like she says, says Lionel Lee is going to be okay. And yeah, it's yeah. like, I didn't, I, I don't, it was weird. Cause I'm like, I haven't ever like, like, it's like, I, I always get like, I like, I got emotional like previous time, but this one, I just stra- straight up started crying because I'm like, Oh God, Shaw, you're, you're doing this. You're, Oh, you're so good. Um, yeah. And and I love that Shaw figured out that, like, from the HR goon she torments in the car um, and threatens with a grenade. Yeah. Uh, which he's still left holding that grenade while handcuffed to his car without the pin. Some say he's still sitting there now. <laughs> but, like, that he he's like, you know, you don't understand, like... If you kill me, you kill me. And like, if I go against HR, they'll kill my family. And like, the light bulb goes off. Yeah. And I I love that she like figures that out and knows where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Justin said, we'll see how much of a growth moment that is for for Shaw in the next episode. But also a much less substantial thing. But Shaw's like a little black coat look in this episode. Mm, chef kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. I also love her answer to who are you? Which is concerned citizen. Gotcha. <laughs> which is just a great, a great uh you know, mirror to the what, Reese's what concerned third party. Yeah. 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 There is throughout this episode, I like I love the structure of it, like and the movie like found it's the gauntlet with Clint Eastwood. Um, okay. Okay. But something at the like, this is something that the show does so perfectly, but like really is encapsulating this episode is how well this show captures the feeling of paranoia. Mm. In all the scenes where Carter and Reese and Quinn are trying to move through the city, there is this continual feeling of you're being followed, you're being watched, you're being pursued. Yeah. And I, I like the direction in this episode is so good, and mm-hmm. it, it there's it, it's a it's claustrophobic almost. Yeah. yeah, and like the scenes of Reese fighting in the halls of the morgue mm-hmm. are, are very good, and this the the cinematography is also stellar. Like the last scene with Harold like standing under the streetlight as John holds Carter's body, and it's got. 
it's got almost like a hopper esque quality to it with the with the like light and everything. It was it was very striking. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a it's a great episode. It's a great hour of television in general. Yeah. And there's another there's another thread that was, you know, dropped that it'll be interesting to see how the show picks up on, which is something that Root says to Harold, which is let's not pretend that John's your first helper monkey. How many did you go through before him? Cackling, cackling. Um <laughs> Yeah, maybe we get this. It'll be a, we'll it's 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 gonna be a minute. We'll get there in like December. All right, one fear, <laughs> one fear at JPEG. The whole interaction between Root and Finch in this episode is really intense because you do get the sense if Finch had just let her help, would this have happened? Yeah, probably not. No, hundred percent not. <laughs> and and Harold's gonna have to live with that. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to do a good job of that. Nope. Because we've, we've had two and a half seasons of Harold not being particularly good at dealing with emotional issues other than no pushing them down into a little box. Yeah. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Speaking of Harold not dealing well with emotional issues, uh, should we move on to the next episode since that features um, prominently in an early flashback? Uh, sure. Although I, I'll say that the the one last thing that I want to highlight in this is that we've got Chekhov's the bullet almost hit the artery <laughs> because uh, she's shot in the place when when John shows his scars and is like, if it had been you know if it had been right here, it would have oh, hit geez. the artery and I would have bled out. Guess yeah. what? One thing that I do, like, I just look, think on that scene in the morgue. It's one of those times where it's like, I, it's just something weird. It's like, because of the frankness of it, and like the, I'd say like emotional frankness of the sh- scene. It's a, it's a thing where like, I, I, I can't recall like any other time, like in like a drama on television where a woman just like shows off a C-section scar. And just like talks very <laughs> frankly about it. It's just like it's something yeah. interesting to remark upon. I like, like that. It's a f- funny moment just because it's like it's not like dismissive anything. It's it's as it's as legit as like any of their battle scars. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that uh, I think I'm I think I'm good on this one. Yep, I agree. Then, I've I've said my piece. Also, so many smartphones die in this episode. Oh my oh, god! Oh yeah, everybody. I like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Every phone dies in this episode. There are, yeah. like, people go through more phones in this episode than I have through my entire adult life. <laughs> uh, our next episode, our last of the night, is episode 10 of season three, The Devil's Share, written by Amanda Siegel and Jonathan Nolan, directed by Chris Fisher. The opening of this episode is set to Johnny Cash's version of Nine Inch Nails' Hurt. Apocryphally, even uh, Trent Reznor has admitted that this is the definitive version of this song. Uh, We see Finch and Shaw attending Carter's funeral while Reese lays in a hospital bed in the library before going on a rampage to track down Simmons. He dump truck T-bones a bunch of forgers who have provided Simmons with a fake Canadian passport while Shaw brutalizes their associates in a bar. As the song ends, we get a flashback to Finch in therapy. After Nathan's death, talking about grief. Then we're back in the present, where Fusco calls Finch to tell him about the forgers. 
Shaw agrees to help Finch and Reese, but only so they can save uh, save Reese from the bullet wound he got last episode. She has no intention of helping them keep Reese from killing Simmons. They follow the forger lead to Quinn's lawyer's office to find the lawyer dead, having missed Reese and the Russians, who are responsible for the lawyer's death, uh, who arrived not long after Reese and come to the conclusion that the only person who knows some Simmons' plan is Quinn. And the only way to get Quinn is to ask for Root's help. In the next flashback, Shaw, at the time what seems to be a doctor or a resident, a doctor in training of some kind, uh, discussing her abject lack of bedside manner with a supervisor. She apparently delivered the news that she was unable to save the life of a patient while eating a candy bar, despite the fact that she had heroically worked to save the patient's life. The supervisor uh, says that she should never have been admitted to the program if they'd known about her personality disorder. Uh, back in the present, Root leads the team to a hotel apartment complex. It's not clear what we're doing here. It's a big empty building with a lot of rooms where Reese promptly blows up a car as a distraction, a man of subtlety, clearly, uh, before locking himself in with a bike lock uh, while the marshals are outside and going after Quinn. Our next flashback is Reese's, where he is interviewed by a CIA recruiter who apparently is corrupt because he eventually shoots the recruiter coolly and calmly. This apparently being sometime after his time with Kara, or sometime late in his... his, his uh, time with Kara because he is completely nonplussed by the experience. To be completely to the absolutely perfectly selected beats of Miami Showdown by Digitalism, Reese goes absolutely fucking feral on the marshals on the way to Quinn, not actually killing any, but between a stack of flares and judicious ass whipping, he takes them apart in about four seconds flat before confronting Quinn. The machine team arrives with Root help, helpfully double pistoling a bunch of Russians impressing Shaw and Finch <laughs> arrives in, in the room just in time to counsel Reese that killing Quinn who has given up Simmons uh, under threat of a messy death would betray Carter's moral code. Reese doesn't care and pulls the trigger, but his clip is empty and nothing happens. He collapses from blood loss, dropping the note Quinn wrote with Simmons plan. As they leave, Fusco stays behind to manage the police presence and Root casually notes while in the car that the machine didn't say who was planning on killing Simmons. As we get a flashback to Fusco sitting with a police psychologist, admitting, as the admission cannot be used against him, that an accidental shooting was anything but. That he'd killed the man in revenge for killing a rookie cop with a kid on the way. That it was the devil's share, justified revenge. In Quinn's room, Fusco finds the note confronts Simmons at an airfield, having ruined his escape plan. This is one of my favorite fights in all of television. It is so fucking satisfying watching Fusco roaring like the lion root strangely tenderly tells him he's named after in a weird scene at earlier in the episode, uh, as he beats the shit out of Simmons with his cast roaring down at Car how at Simmons about how Carter made him a better person and a better cop and put him back on this right road. Uh, he really deserves to catch Simmons, and it feels so good when he marches Simmons into the precinct to the shock of everybody in the, in the room. In the final scenes, Shaw says Reese will survive. Root voluntarily refer returns to her confinement in the library, and Elias turns up in Simmons' hotel room. He, he says, unlike the others, has a different moral code. He liked Carter, he says, and watches with smug satisfaction as Scarface garrots Simmons in his in his hospital bed. Hoof. 
This is one of the best episodes in the show. It is absolutely breakneck. This episode from the first second the music starts is just an, an absolute emotional rocket just hurtling you across 40 minutes of TV. It really, I mean, it's hyperbole, but it really, like, her is... It's, there is no better song. It's almost like it's almost like parody to use it, except that as it's long so, as you like Johnny Cash. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I as somebody who isn't even like a huge music person, it's just like it's perfect. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it fits so perfectly. Uh, both of the both of the really iconic music choices here, both Hurt and Miami Showdown in this yeah. episode, are just so fucking well chosen. So perfectly done. The scene where you see Reese is in the hotel, Reese is in the hospital bed, and then Bear, you see and, and, and like the it, with it's Bear's not, it's head not even the hospital bed. Side. It's like they've got like a little, they've got like a bed in the library with Bear yeah. just like putting his head on John's arm. Yeah. yeah, and then it cuts to the funeral where Finch and Reese or Finch and Shaw are standing off at a distance watching. Carter's ex and son sitting there just absolutely broken <laughs> while and Fusco sitting there in the funeral as well, looking devastated as well. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It is such an intense scene. And then you've got fucking Reese on absolute rampage. Him and Shaw just tearing up the town trying to find Simmons. That scene with the goddamn uh counterfeiter or with the 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 uh, forgers, where he just leaves them in the car as he's walking away as the car bursts into flames. Yeah. Is, that's really brutal. Yeah. It's yeah. really brutal. And it is not the Reese we are we are accustomed to seeing. Uh, but he just T-bones them in, and you're like, oh, it's the it's the Reese special. And then he lets them burn. Yeah. There th- there's a lot. The Reese rampage and is is really like something is he's he's driven he's like single-minded and it's like he knows he knows that he's not gonna make it so he's just gonna do what he needs to do except you know except if he actually stayed in the hospital bed he'd be fine yeah but and there's i mean there's the, the classic like revenge rampage trope yeah but i think it like and it's not even like they're subverting it there's a way of like there's a so there's a trope and there's when you execute a trope and you just kind of do it and it's just like oh look you're doing the thing and then there's where you subvert it in like a clever way and you're like oh that's kind of cool and then there's when you just nail it like you just execute it so nicely that people are like it's not that you're doing the trope it's that you're doing I think that TV tropes is poison every there is nothing wrong with tropes tropes are just how we identify patterns in media yeah and that what that's what I'm and that's exactly what I'm saying it's like if you do something well, it's not and you a commit trope. to it. It's just yeah, no, it's just it's, it's just a well executed piece of narrative. I mean, it's still yeah. true, well, yeah. but it's like you're just doing it well. You're yeah. just doing an, a good piece of narrative. Like tropes are useful in identifying like n- pieces of narrative, and but they've become such a piece of cultural like people think baggage. People have, people have like two cent YouTube like critique culture <laughs> that like you know you know. 
Marvel endings explained has like ruined tropes for us of like, no, this is just handy ways to identify archetypes and plot structures. Tropes yeah. aren't bad, but I, it's, I, I well, I, I will. Tropes aren't bad. Tropes are just a way. I will casually, can. I will, I will, I will slightly disagree with you in so much as I think it's actually gotten all, that, that same culture you're talking about, that lazy criticism culture has like looped around into the, into like lazy writers now. Who are just yeah. like, I mean, that's always like been a thing, Lego though. bricking. Yeah, like that's always Lego been a bricking thing, these. It's, it's we. Yes, no, and I don't yeah. disagree. But I'm saying now they're just going like, I got this this trope and this trope, and they just Lego brick tropes together to build plots, executing the trope, subverting the trope, or just pointing at the trope and saying, "Look, yeah. look, you know this." I mean, like, the, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like you know, people like people are building the tropes all the time. It's just like, yeah, and th- this executes it well. Yeah. And that's that's I think the point we're 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 both trying to make is that this executes that grief rampage so nicely, so uh well, it puts it's so the work in character. In. Yeah, it puts the work in. It's in character and it's well done. Um and I think they uh, sort of an understated piece is the way that they show him dying <laughs> throughout the length of this episode. Yeah. Like as the episode goes on, Reese just looks increasingly fucking ragged so by the time he gets to the point where he's ready to kill quinn he can barely stand up he's just bleeding everywhere yeah uh and i think it's nicely done because there at no point does he go from like fine he's never fine he starts the episode in pretty bad shape but at no point does he go from like okay to not okay it's a real nice gradation down into this bloody stumbling mess he is at the very end which I think is really a good choice. One of the things that I like too is that this episode both executes the trope and subverts the trope for the the revenge rampage because we've yeah. got Reese and Shaw who are executing the revenge rampage and then we've mm-hmm. got Fosco at the end who subverts it. And yeah. that that book ends it nicely that we've got you know that Fosco you know, Fusco is there and his, he is he is getting his revenge and his revenge is taking Simmons into custody, ultimately. Yeah, because yeah, Simmons wants to die at that point. Right. He doesn't want to be taken in. But more importantly, he he wants Fusco to be he wants Fusco to give in and do it that way. And we're we're absolutely primed by the flashbacks to think that Fosco is just going to kill him because we just had a flashback where Fosco admits to killing somebody in cold blood for revenge and you're like oh I absolutely love the show like normally I like I I think I get on person of interest occasionally for being a little too liberal with flashbacks to remind us of shit (laughs) that is uh, that is an aggressive understatement my friend <laughs> it was mostly that's that that the order yeah stuff. like they 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 honestly now that kara stanton is dead we we're, we're done with this we never saw um, a body yeah hard to hard to see a body when you're fucking vaporized <laughs> <laughs> um i will die on this bit i love you for it yeah um the but like we were we reminded that Fusco was a piece of shit. Yeah. The way he is in that flashback is so, so like crocodile smile cold. It's not even it's not even like the 
oh hey skimming from a top I, I, you know oh just you know a bunch of stuff it's it is the type of it's a it's like it is the reminder that like we haven't seen this fusco in in like since the show started where he like he wasn't even this fusco in the pilot or something. yeah yeah where he is glad about killing someone yeah that he had yeah. he had more remorse about the concept of killing john and dumping him into a shallow grave in oyster bay yeah yeah uh and i have to say all of the flashbacks are stellar um in this yeah. one that mm-hmm. yeah they all provide really good kind of intimate character moments um you know we've got john with the cia recruiter um busco unburdening himself about murder um and shaw with you know being told that she can't continue her medical training um they all have great cinematography like the way that the the therapist's face isn't shown in any of them that's the lighting on john's where it's like he looks skeletal almost um with like the the very like overhead light overhead you know, extremely bright pinpoint light. It's really great. We talked about Shaw's, we referenced, we didn't talk about it. We referenced yeah. Shaw's flashback yeah. uh, in episode 26 about the fact that like Shaw has grown so much from chowing on a Snickers while she informs a family that their beloved family member died, despite the heroic effort she apparently went to, to save this person to, mm-hmm the very tender way she delivers she talks to to Lionel mm-hmm. about saving his son um and combine that with her interaction with the girl in Resgisgersberg uh i don't remember i can't never remember how to say that word uh whatever the the russian girl and we really do see that like the machine team has really brought out the best in Shaw yeah in the short time she's been around them it's bear it's not it's not Fincherese, it's bear. <laughs> There's also her her flashback is also interesting in that it implies that so previously it was implied that she chose to leave med school. She at least frames it that way that um you know she she realized she was better at taking people apart than putting them back together or something like that is the line. And this makes it definitely seem like it was not her choice. I think I think she was gracefully discouraged from continuing yeah. because i think if you tried to say like we're kicking you out of med school for a for a personality disorder that is a discrimination lawsuit waiting to happen but also come on they could just make her a surgeon yeah <laughs> I, yeah I, I i i'm like it really feels like it, i like that's how i take it because i'm like if you said to someone we're kicking you out of this program because you because you're a sociopath you know that that is there, that is a, that is a discrimination yeah. lawsuit. Well, not only is that a discrimination lawsuit, but like you, if if you say that in a hospital, like a third of the doctors probably not okay. Let's <laughs> uh, no, not say no, any no. numbers, but like a bunch of doctors down the hall all, all like flinch and look over their seventy five percent of the like, surgeons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> which is which is a, a number I made up on the spot, but like it's like just yeah. kidding, but also not just kidding. Yeah, we're throwing yeah. random statistics around, but like it's it's a thing, an observed thing that like. There is a percentage of people within that field that are, you know, let's just say that she wouldn't be the only one in the room. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's she's yeah, just the I, one that got caught Yeah, because she apparently really fucking wanted a Snickers. And 
you know, snicker satisfied. I think it's because we are all susceptible to advertising. Maybe she just watched too much TV that day. I think part of what it is is that I think that comparatively, Shaw, at least the Shaw pre pre relevance, is I would say is not good at masking. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like is not good at like you know a lot. Like the, the the her supervisor tells her it's not that you don't care, it's that you don't make an attempt, or or you don't lie. Yeah. And it's it's the thing of just like I mean people who like sometimes have to work. If you can't see my face, like I can come off as cold if we don't know each other and i like you know it's something that i have to work for like occasionally is that it's like i can especially if we have no emotional connection or past history i can seem like a bit of an asshole to random strangers i think um but and and like shaw i think but the shaw we see in that flashback and the shaw we see in the present day is somebody who like the difference is somebody who has learned how to at least, you know, have some social, like, social adaptations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yes, I I absolutely agree that it's, ironically, the Shah that has gone through the military, gone in, gone through relevance, and has all that, has learned how to mask better as a necessary skill for her job. But I also yeah. think... She learned, she, she became, she became a more social person by learning to lie as yeah. a Yeah. But I also think that coming out of the other end of that has shown her she has like having met the machine team and met people that actually, you know, care about her in the worst possible situation in her life have also like helped her connect because these are people that are in each of their unique ways are equally maladjusted as she is. She's found a kind of camaraderie and kinship that she didn't think that she hadn't found before. Yeah. And I think that has brought out a genuine, a more genuine social kinship with her than she maybe previously had had. And I think, I think her interacting with Reese is also interesting because honestly, it would not surprise me if Reese, you know, had a lot of the same traits, right? It's just that sometimes it seems like Reese is better at masking than she is. Mm -hmm. That he also really doesn't have a lot of compunctions about killing people. So I, I like, I'm, I'm, you know, to, to continue talking about like the, the, the flashbacks just before we get on to other stuff. Harold, Oof. does survivor's guilt go away if everything was your fault? Oh, buddy. It is, it's, it's one of the, I think one of the, especially with the upcoming two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Harold is about to, Harold's going to go through it. Uh, um which which love this but and and like combining that like what do you do when everything is your fault i'm considering doing something radical um with root's question of how many helper monkeys did you go through before him is just like i mean it's hinting at a lot of stuff and i it's they i like obviously they're 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 setting up stuff for later in the season and and this is the sort of show where if we were watching if i were watching this like as it was airing i would probably be that person with the notebook writing down the dates of everything (laughs) and making a timeline that's annotated 
and highlighted and color coded, but I I will be content to just wait and see how things unfold. Yeah. I will do this for you too. Unless you want me to make an annotated timeline. I can do that. Would you like me to do that? I can do that. <laughs> uh, just just say the word. Um, just say the word. I've got my I've got my highlighters right here. In my red string. <laughs> the the ship the shipping of Shaw and Root continues. Yeah, where where it's like where where Harold I I, I Harold letting Root out and then being the one to say give 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 Well let's let's set up the timeline first. Shaw is the one that's badgering Finch, like, dude, get get the stick out of your butt and let Root out. Yeah. And then, but but Shaw is also like, but let's not give her a gun because this woman is clearly very dangerous. But Finch is like, yes, she's dangerous, but she's not going to shoot us. She could have killed us already. And, and Root's like, yeah, I could have. And then the amazing two-gun conversation, which is- Where, where she says- Iconic- Honestly, so that's a great. Okay, so something I want to like before we go into this is like the thing that's been coming through these last couple of episodes. I don't want to go too far into it, but Harold calling, continuing to call Root Miss Groves has like we don't have to dwell on this, and I'm like it's something. It is extreme dead name energy. Yeah, it's it's the one that it's the thing that I like. I don't want to lead too much. Like, I don't want to linger on this, have a huge discussion over it, but it's just like, it's a thing of like, it's like somebody not understanding, like not understanding. Right. But like, yeah, I, we don't have to make this a whole thing. It's just something, especially because it comes up a lot in these last three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where, I can see where you're, you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that's something where, I would definitely not read that as the intent, but I think it's that is how it comes across. It's something that, like it's yeah, it, it's it's something that it's like it's something that like that looking back, looking back, it's like something that it's like okay, that doesn't like that's it's a little bit weird from a twenty twenty two thing. Yeah, but like I'm not going to dwell on it because I don't think that's the intent. It's it's a creative choice. It's that- a Mister. I mean, it's a Mister Anderson thing, but that is a specific. That is specifically dead David. Yeah. yeah. It's a thing that I think that they would not have done it today for that exact reason. Or I they would have done it. I think you might have had more. I think they would have had a more textual conversation about it yeah. at some point. Yeah. They would but have that's... done it differently today. But I don't. I agree with you. I don't think that's what they were intending with it. But it definitely reads that way today. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. You gotta just kind of take it as it yeah. is. Again, yeah, it's not something. It's not something that it's like I don't like. You know, we don't have to get into not it. Not something but. that I'm I'm putting on the writers, yeah. but it's just like it has that vibe. I don't, I don't think that's not yeah. intentional. It's just like it's it's a just how it is. I think Her- like Harold is trying to normalize what is going on here, but that is not. But it is not to, to me. Not to me, it ways. reads like he's kind of sort of trying to remind Root of her humanity and connection to meat space but that's not who root however is. as we are seeing roots root does not really have like root is beyond right. a thing yeah to gain lionel's trust she she tells him like you know she she tells him a very personal story that even he didn't know of like you have a you have a picture of your father as a child on your on your on your like dresser holding a lion cub do you know that cub's name lionel and, and it's just like and it's this whole thing where it's like 
It's very touching. It's like, it's this thing where Fusco is seeing something, like, it's the really the first glimpse, I think, that Fusco has of something truly unnatural going on. Yeah. That's my favorite part of this interaction, is that you don't grasp right away that Fusco has no idea what's going on. We, the yeah. audience, know where she's getting this information, and everybody else in the conversation knows where she's getting this information. But Fusco's like, who's this nutty lady that just happened to know this weird stuff about my life? Yeah. He doesn't know <laughs> yeah. about the machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I and and, and I mean, that. To, to, a, to an average person, this is divine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is how Root interprets it. And then obviously there's Root, can I have a gun now? Can I have a gun now? Can I have a gun now? And finally, Harold, fine! Yeah. And then she wants yeah. a second. It's like if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. And she's like, like can I have another one? If you, if you give, if you give a, if you give a techno priest a Glock, she'll ask for a second one. Yeah. If and then she'll a, execute you, all the Russians that are coming at her. Or not even execute them. And then she'll shoot all the, the she, Russians. She, she kneecaps them. every single fucking one. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I love the, the Foley love, too. The Foley too. Uh, and the scene as they're all like, uh, oh. yeah. Well, and then Shaw's reaction is not like to be impressed. It's not to be like frightened. What? Okay. That was pretty hot. <laughs> and she's like, she's like two guns at once. Eh, and, okay. That was hot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. 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 <laughs> Shipping intensifies. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. God, th- this ship. This ship is. This ship is a fully armed battle station. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, there. There's a. And then, like, when they're getting out of the car, uh, Fusk, uh, like Shaw shoots a, shoots one of the marshals, and Fusk was like, "You just shot a federal marshal." Just between us, not my first time. I um, love their dynamics. And then they're like. They, yeah, they then like shot chokes out a like the a Marshall sniper, and like they're like surveilling the building, and it's like, you sure the big guy's here. They're talking about like race and a car, oh. a car goes goes up in a ball flame, and they're like, yes, shot is here. Yeah, no reason. Uh, her her line is like pretty sure he's here. Yeah, uh, and I, I I we okay like in a in a. Episode where I think everybody is bringing their best game to it. I I just want to I want to shout out here Elias who came here to eat. <laughs> My man is here to eat scenery and be dramatic. Yeah. Oh, that that conversation between Elias and Simmons, where Elias is like opining about the the social contract and how. Like, you know, he doesn't have to abide or he, he chooses not to abide by the social contract because he is he is a something something else, something older. He is not civilized. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And he just and then he just sits there smiling while right. Scarface girl. And, and I love how I love how Simmons is like, oh, so you're gonna kill me then? And Eliza's like, no, but I'll watch. No, he's like my friend is going to kill you. I love how it's always like Scarface. Scarface is his friend. Yeah. Well, have we we haven't gotten his back his backstory episode yet, have we? No. Scarface's. No, Elias's. No. I, we've got we've got some of his, but not not like the full the one about like 
him and his crew. No, we have we haven't gotten any backstory on Scarface, but we do know that we do know that back when back when Carter saved Elias from being murdered by HR, Elias like moved heaven and earth to save Scarface. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll find out more about that later. Is it bad that I kind of ship the two of them? No. No, it's it's perfectly fine. I think I think that I think that assassin and mafioso is a pristine ship. Excellent. Like I'm, I'm I feel um, supported. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and, and like and like Elias Elias is the inverse of John here where it's like Elias is like, Carter wanted to want me to do this. I offered to kill you so many times and she kept telling me no. And she's not here anymore because of you. So I'm going to do it. I liked her very much. Yeah. Like he says specifically, I liked her very much. And like, and he's just like, I'm not doing this. Like, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not beholden to her anymore because of you. And yeah, there, I, I think there's something that is, eats at Elias that he could do- that he could not properly repay her. Yeah. yeah. Elias is fascinating. The more and more like the more that we see him, the more interesting I find him because he really does have a code of conduct, like a code of honor. It's just not the normal one. Like that that he despises HR because they're oath breakers. Like that's fascinating to me. Yeah, he is like he is somebody who I mean I think I'm he's almost fey. Like yeah. if this was a fantasy series, he'd be one of the fey. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like he, yeah. And like he's beholden to an old he's he's beholden to like the old ways. Like Elias is somebody who would like he is bound to the old ways of hospitality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like things like, you know, even the the episode that introduces him, right? Like He's doing something that on the face of it is like bananas. Like he is teaching high school in order to get the dirt on his enemies through their children. But on the other hand, he commits to it and is a darn good high school teacher from everything that we can tell. Like that, that he, it feels to me like he made an agreement that he was going to teach these kids what was it history or english or something yeah and like by yeah. god he's going to teach them history and also yep. like and also spy on them do we have anything left to say about this particular episode um i mean one thing that i wanted to talk about i, I that i didn't really didn't really get into the last one i think something that stands out for me in the show is as we like sort of change into metaplot and stuff there is no replacement for Carter in the show. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That, I think that's I think that's important to like note is that like the 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 structure of the show changes, but there isn't a, there isn't a new character who gets introduced to replace. Oh, because I felt like she was preemptively uh, replaced by Shaw. I mean, I, Shaw was Shaw was, I think, more a John replacement. But but that like Shaw was um, introduced onto the show as they were as they were starting the Carter Sunset arc. Like as a as a fully like not just a recurring but like a part of the team. That's that's what it felt like to me. Interesting. The like Shaw was already part of the cast. Bef- like was was like that that end in the second half of the show, or the second half of season two, 
was before they would have known about like mm-hmm. her getting removed getting removed from yeah. the past. But but it from wasn't a- it wasn't clear at that point whether Shaw was going to come on as like somebody who would be there every episode as part of the team or somebody who would be there sporadically when it was relevant. Narratively speaking, I get what 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 Justin's saying. Mm-hmm. I, like I but I also see like coming at it from like a production like observing like what were they trying to do with the show and the cast and stuff. But I think narratively speaking, I definitely agree that I think Shaw is a very different, does a different thing in the yeah. show. And I, I definitely don't, they definitely don't try and use her to fill the space that, that yeah. Carter leaves. Yeah. And, and like, that's something, that's something that I value, but that, but, but like, as soon as as soon as we hit the like Carter death scene, I was like, oh, so that's why Car- that's why that's why we got Shaw full time. Yeah, I mean the the real reason we got Shaw full time was that Jim Caviezel couldn't do action yeah. scenes. <laughs> yeah, I mean a bit or or was older and, and yeah. yeah yeah. I mean this is sort of like but we're we're gonna talk about this in the next episode. There's gonna be some more transition here. More uh, I. I this is this is sort of I, this is the end of HR that this plot line and I think it's I think it ends sort of right when it needs yeah. to. Yeah, agreed. It's one of those things where I don't think it dragged out too long. I think it like it sort of ebbed and flowed kind of nicely. But they were about to run yeah. out of track. Yeah. yeah, agreed. If we'd gotten like one or two more like filler HR big plots, I think you would have really yeah that like felt over it. Once we were getting to the point of like. HR being bamboozled by like a con artist's girlfriend in a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very funny, honestly. Uh, you know, it seems like maybe they were running out of track on the plot. There's going to be other organized crime things that come up and those are going to be fun. I mean, we've fine. still got, I mean, now Elias is free to rise again, right? Yep. Yeah, but Elias is our babe. He's never gonna. He's never gonna treat us bad, right? <laughs> right. Right. But he's he's not being kept in a basement by Carter anymore. So he's free to he's free to yeah. you know annihilate the Russians and claim oh, the city as his own. There's this yeah. in episode in uh in Endgame. We forgot to talk about this, but there's a scene where they're like Carter and Elias are tasting wine together. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> It's 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 like like Elias is just like begging for like somebody please be cultured with me. <laughs> Cataloni is just oh, that man is so good. <laughs> it's just every time he's on screen is having the time of his Absolutely. life. Absolutely. All right. Okay. We good? I yep. think we're good. All right. Um so next time we are going to be covering episodes 11 and 12 of season 3. Lethe and Aletheia. I love how this lined up. We got a we got like a t- an actual two parter. Yeah, to to line up on that. Yeah, this season is shaking out great. We're gonna have to do like a we're gonna either have to do a solo episode or a three parter in somewhere because this season has an odd number of episodes. But we're gonna get we'll figure it out. There. I believe in us. Yep. yep. Until next time, you are being watched. Do 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 do. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. Music